So I'm sat backstage at the Riverside with uh, John Hogg, lead singer of Magpie Salute. Hello. So you're two thirds of the way, I think, mm. through your tour. How yeah. has it been going so far? It's been great. It, uh, for me, you know, we it was everybody's based in the States. So we've done most of the build up has been over there, mm. which comes from, you know, they most of them still live over there. Mm. So to come over to Europe and the UK, to end on the UK, to end in London, mm. it's just great for me. It's really amazing. Right? It's a short walk home for yeah, you. Yeah, short walk home, <laughs> short roll, short wobble home after that gig. <laughs> but um, it's just nice to take this situation into a different context, you know, because uh, it's all part of this, these journeys, everybody's journeys of, sort of uh, this moment where they're all congruent, you know, yeah. and everybody's found themselves having met and then re-met and now we're all in a band and Mark's sure. here and yeah. Joe's here and Matt and it's Rich and John's yeah. recording and yeah. it's like wow okay you know we're all it, it makes you feel that you're um, you know you're there it <laughs> makes it feel more like it's for a certain reason yeah. because of the what would be the chances of all of you, yeah, of you of all actually the even being able to do it in, sure. in Spain it's, yeah. it's great yeah. and, and for those people that don't actually realise your connection, how mm. did you first meet Rich um, in the garden? <clears throat> I first met Rich when my old band Moke was uh, asked to support the Black Crows on their By Your Side tour, about 1999, I think. And so we went out for a couple of months, travelled around the States and like saw how people do it at that level and mm. got to know them all and drive ourselves around, you know. Um, and then at the end of that tour, basically that was when... We, Moke, we were doing our first album. We did, we managed to get two albums out there, which is a miracle, really, in the music industry, isn't it? To, to not crash and burn like two great albums, I'll have to say as well. But anyway, and uh, yeah, so we got to the second one, and then at the end of the second one, it was too difficult trying to move on to another label, and it, the whole thing was collapsing at that point. So we just kind of, we basically had sort of written a whole third album, and then just sort of started doing other stuff you know okay and uh which is still there which we, we talked about I think, oh, maybe we'll get around to that at some point <laughs> but um but rich gave me a call it just he they were on i guess they were on virgin and they were doing lions you know and so at virgin we you know we knew some people up there and you know like rob crane and a couple of other people and um so we started to see him more but they were also right at the at the precipice of their first like we've got to have a break. Mm -hmm. So they had their first break, and Rich just called me like, "Look, do you want to come over and do oh, yeah. some thing?" Like, yeah. I've got a couple of musicians. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I literally turned up at this apartment, which you couldn't miss. It, it was so loud, like you could hear it from <laughs> right. the street all the way through the building. And I opened the door. And he's there, he's like, and Bill. And there's a mic just open, and he's like, so he just kind of just walks up and just start, and that became Hooker Brown. You know? Right, yeah, yeah. So that was. Yeah. Uh, Which again, I only discovered, I think, yesterday, actually, yeah. that side of things. Like, oh, right. Yeah, well, again, we that. didn't we, read sort of. I mean, you know, Rich has always got many albums worth of material yeah. for any project he's doing, because yeah. he's a prolific lover. And, uh, so he had all these things, but he also wanted to write, he wanted to try writing together. So he'd had this music and he wanted me to come out and come and stay in love. He was, you know, with his old family at the time. And so he went and kind of lived with him for a bit and we wrote, you know, these songs, you know, went out and started doing gigs and 
and it got to this point where we were doing, we ended up with these songs like Black Cloud and what became Omission mm. was the very last thing that we were working on right. when that kind of stopped and then the crows got back together and I can't remember what I did after that. I forget, I was just kind of started doing some other stuff, more yeah. studio stuff maybe, which yeah. and my own thing. Did some stuff with Jesse Woods, Ronnie Simon. Right. And um, and then, you know, well, you know, kind of years went by and all mm. kinds of things happened. And it got to the point where Rich would come in with his solo stuff, which is it's amazing music. And mm. every time he'd come into London, he'd be like, oh, you should come to the gig. I hope, I hope you're around. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And it was great. Matt was on the keyboards. And Did you get up and, and sing at the gigs? Not for the first year. I was just yeah. going there, just enjoying it, yeah. just bringing Chastin or a friend yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know. And, um, uh, and then he asked me to get up and sing one day. Like I think we did um, In the Presence of the Lord. Right. Which is a beautiful song. Yeah, yeah. And and then I don't know, I just think you know, it just I just it, it just set something off, I think, you know, like right. and then what happened is he he got to well, I guess it was the end of two thousand sixteen and he just wanted to get back together with Mark and Sven and mm-hmm. actually originally it was with, you know, I mean Chris was doing his own thing and so he just wanted to get together with all the people that he had a nice relationship mm. with, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like it was a shame. Every time he tried to get together with Mark or something, it was like, it would go through the crow's turbine and right. just yeah, fall yeah. apart yeah. at the edges because it's just so amazing and intense. And, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's a tempestuous kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, so he did the, he just wanted to do a little gig. So they filmed it and Mark showed up. I said, look, I'm up for doing anything with you, man. I'd love to play with you again. And Eddie was there, Matt was there, they were playing together. It's this huge band, sort of Danadian Bonnie something. And Mitch was saying, oh, we're doing this thing. I was like, that sounds wicked, it's great. Like, he just sent me a, a little clip of what ended up being the film. And right. I was just excited yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. And I was listening to it. And then a, a month or so later, he's like, would you want to come? Would you be up for coming and singing yeah. if we did a gig? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I might need a bit of. You know, I don't know what you're just like, yeah, you might need to send me what you want to do because I know it's going to be a big, long show. And then that became the first show at the Gramercy. Right. Yeah. Which Ed died literally just when me and Ed were getting our visas Oh, right. Okay, right. Yeah. And then he did and then he he checked out, which was... uh, That must have hit hard. It was really, you know... Because the first thing that we did was the last thing he ever did. Yeah, right. And you, you suddenly the whole purpose of doing that was not only because it to was reconnect with old souls, but, but to, to, to celebrate. Yeah, him, yeah, you know. Yeah, and so that was tough. That was like to, for that to be the first thing was really. I suppose in a way, what a great thing yes, for it to. It was a, yeah, it was a great. It couldn't really have been any more special. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. You know, and also for all the kind of you know, there's a there's a there's a disconnect opportunity with the Magpie City where all the people who followed the crows because they loved that vibe and they loved the music and the history and everything that they represent. Mm. But it keeps on going up, down, yeah, yeah, yeah. in and out. Like yeah. there's an opportunity for this new thing that can be not that, yeah. but it's kind of a continuation in some respects yeah, yeah. of a whole bunch of things. Yeah. A whole bunch of things. Everybody, everybody's got some relationship with Rich. Like yeah. Mark was in his band. J 
Joe was in his band, I was, everybody was, yeah, yeah, he yeah. did something with everybody. Yeah. And something special with everybody. Yeah. Know? Something that, whether it saw its way across the finish line at the time or whatever you, yeah, at the time it was as, a, you know, you've always got to, whatever your goal is at the time. Mm. We went in, you know, and we were, um, it was a shame for it to not, to not do something like that, you know, and he, you know, he wants, he's extremely talented and he's very creative, very creative mm -hmm. and prolific. And so he, you know, he needs to be doing stuff. Yeah, and yeah. just feeding off somebody like, yeah. he's like he does with Joe, like they've yeah. done 10 years of doing all this solo stuff and they just, it's psychic at that point, you know. Right. So, so that's how that happened. You know, okay. Long, long description. Uh, brings us to, I mean, obviously you had the, the yeah, self-titled album but high water one mm. which is your first sort of studio album yeah. um i might be wrong but i've got to say your influence is heavily stamped on that album i would say yeah it is yeah it is and it's well it was welcomed it was it was invited and it was encouraged yeah you know and that wasn't quite amazing because you know at that point when i was younger like i was saying to rich when we first got together I, you know, I so it was so like, like ooh, overwhelming. Yeah, right, yeah, this the is whole the black just, man, more, yeah. more, just more, even just the fact that even though he was cool and I had a sort of friendship with him, yeah. like just doing stuff in that way, it's like it's not, it's like how Neil Young or Bob Dylan would, or Tom Petty would do something. It's yeah. like it will be great. Yeah. And that is, there is no, no other purpose. Yeah. And that sort of drive and energy is, you've got to bring something. You have to bring something. You have to be eloquent and strong and commanding and yeah. yourself weak sometimes. And you have to you have to bring yourself to the situation and kind of stamp that energy on the music, yeah. you know, and on the performances. Yeah. And so to to get to do that and to for us to be able to go away, we went to this place called Dark Horse in Nashville. Which mm. when I heard we we're going to Nashville, I thought sometimes people get like. They go to Nashville and it doesn't help them. It's it's a, it's a right. commercial manoeuvre. Yeah, because they're sort of like, let's do this, uh, and let's do that. It, it's more just that that's become the centre of the industry, which is cool, you know. Mm. And obviously, a lot of commercial studios are available. But what was nice about this place is it was on farmland and a ranch, and it was away. And you're just living in there. Yeah. And so we were able to really because the way the way that we would do stuff is we get all set up in the first day. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and by the evening of the first day, you know, we stop for us and the evening of us, like, we, you know, we start, right, let's have a go at this one and this one. We'll listen to a couple of the demos that mm -hmm. Rich and Mark and I had been sending each right. other. And, uh, and then we just thrash it out and work through it and see what we end up with and move on. Right. And it's this very spontaneous process. So, you know, it requires everyone bring themselves to it and sure. therefore inevitably everybody's going to be stamping their styles and their musicality sure. and their writing and their singing. And, and then, on I the, mean, that, you capture that energy as well, yeah. don't you, from that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know. So uh, that was, I loved that, and I feel really pleased and proud, you know, to have been able to join in with that, sure. that we're all travelling together. It's like we became a band, suddenly, suddenly we're all in a band together, like, and it's yeah. quite funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock forward and <laughs> <laughs> and of course the other connection Sean yeah was the producer uh, engineer yeah, engineer yeah, yeah, yeah. he was rich producing Sean engineering right. but the good thing about Sean is he because uh, Rich had a guy I, I 
Just Maybe. for people who are listening who don't know, Sean oh, yeah. was Sean was guitarist in Monk, wasn't he? He's yeah. been a close friend of mine for yeah. years, and you know, um, it was nice for him to be able to bring his studio expertise he's developed yeah. to our um, to our thing. And also, and you know, there's a we were using Roger Mayer. We used to do all Jimi Hendrix's right, right. sounds and effects and studio stuff. And, he was involved with some of the units and just so we could capture that kind of angle. Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be, but just some of the sounds, the way the acoustic was captured and stuff yeah. was like, that sounds like an early moat track. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like mislaid the key and stuff like that. Yes. It's the same yeah. sort of acoustic sound. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's tremendous how yeah, uh, that's brought exactly. back. Let's quickly talk about Colorblind as a song. Yeah. Very, very yes. personal to you, obviously. That was, um, it's really a song about me growing up in the 70s and, you know, somebody being mixed race, you know, half cast, whatever they used to call people like me and so, you know, it was, it, it was, uh, it would have been very difficult being my parent, I'll, I'll say that much, you know, mm. walking home with spit in your hair and all this mm. kind of crap, mm. you know. Like it was sort of normal, you know, like with people who were, because people who lived in London, they weren't, they would, you know, it takes a while, doesn't it, for these, even these very cosmopolitan places to welcome in that kind of mix yeah. in any place. And it still does, you know, unfortunately. So it's a kind of expression of the confusion that surrounds that kind of living there as a kid and growing up, but also the celebration of it because... You know, my mum came over from Africa, my dad came from Sweden, yeah. and I ended up in London, like, and I'm still there, so it worked out. <laughs> it must end. have been all right. But it, it, it was all right in the end, yeah. yeah but it was yeah. kind of different. It was interesting exploring the reality of, wow, it was different at the time. You know, people weren't used to, I was in the minority in right. class. And right. they're kids are kids, and they're all cool with each other, sure. really, you know. Sure. And everything was a bit dirtier then, anyway, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> and set lists. How do you go about remembering? You, you know, you've got 170 songs or whatever. Uh, you know what? Well, you just keep going. And is know, there, Will there ever be any Moke songs in there? Really, have you ever tried to put a Moke song no, in there? I think some of them would work really some well. Some of them might do, yeah. yeah. Uh, what has been really nice is doing some of the Hooker Brown things. Of right. Which will throw in Black yeah. Cloud yeah. or, you know. I love that because it reminds me, it takes me, it transports me back to, to when we first time. met. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure.